don't want this um, cuddly jumper to detract from the fighting talk of a message that I have planned. Okay? I would take it off, but my T-shirt's really snug, and I don't want you to see it. Just be distracting for you. Um, and, uh, well, that's really warm. Blimey, you buy these winter jumpers and you can't wear them. That's the trouble with this climate change stuff. Anyway, um, yeah, fighting talk of a message. This, I, I, I wanted to come up with a snappy title and I haven't got one, but um, I'm, we're going to talk a bit about trials and about um, storms of life, difficulties. And, um, but my message is kind of, let's Ephesians 3 our way through the storms of life. We're going to Ephesians 3 it. I want this to be a morning where we take a stand as a group of people as we are heading into whatever this weird era of world history is that we seem to be faced with. You don't sound very army-like to me. We are drawing a line today. We're going to make a decision together about how we're going to face this next era. And we're going to use Ephesians 3 to do it. Okay? Okay, just to give you some, let's just give you some happy stuff, right? Let's finish, I'm going to start at the end of my notes, okay? Um, if you've got a Bible, or if you, actually, if you want to flick this up onto the screen, Stephen, that would be great. Because if we do this job properly, this is where we'll end up. Um, so, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, someone say love, love. may have power, someone say power, love. together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Come, someone say Jesus. I'm in a mood for, for some Jesus this morning. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled, some say filled, to the measure of the fullness of God. All the fullness of God. Is there enough in, that, in those verses for us? If we don't live this season through the lens of those verses, we may come unstuck. Yeah? So that's where I'm going this morning. Okay. Um, you might remember Martin Baker did a message a few weeks back and he was in Ephesians 2 and he was uh, talking about the whole thing of uh, the temple and God's presence and access to God's presence. Do you remember that? And he had some beautiful illustrations on a slide where um, uh, he helped us to see actually the reality of what Christ was doing in terms of giving us access to God's presence, to God's temple, to God's house. you remember that? And then last week, Ruth Lev spoke, and she was talking um, also from the end of um, Ephesians 2, and she was talking about the whole thing. She kind of flipped it, essentially, and she was saying, actually, now we are the ones where God comes to live by his spirit, that we're being built together, we're being created as God's house. Yeah? So there's that kind of transition. And so where we find ourselves now is in Ephesians 3. And um, numbers of times in Paul's letters, he uses the phrase mystery. Because he's trying to help us to understand stuff that's really enormous. Like really bigger than us. And so um, he's trying to help us to understand concepts that are outside of time and outside of skin. And because we live in both, we often struggle to navigate some of those concepts. And so he uses this phrase mystery to help us. And so he says this in Ephesians 3.6. He says, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together with one of one body, and sharers together in the promises of Jesus Christ. So he's reinforcing what he's already said in Ephesians 1 and 2. And now he's bringing in another analogy. Now there's an even greater sense of what this union actually looks like. It's no longer just this... Um, this um, door open into God's presence or this flipping it around of God coming in and then us being a place where God comes and dwells now he's even going to take it a step further and say hey we're going to be one body 
Like this union between you and God, us and God together, is so rich that we're now infused together. We've been literally bled into one body. That's what Paul is saying through these verses. I think that's quite good, isn't it? I feel like I'm the one making all the noise. Yeah, that's because you're the one with the microphone, silly head. Okay, but that is exciting, isn't it? This distance has gone from this old covenant model through to this new covenant model where we are coming into something. And folks, we are just scratching the surface on how intimately acquainted we are able to be with God. And yet, often, life wants to try and communicate something other. Have you noticed? It's, it's kind of out there. And... Um, so I just want to take a moment to share a bit of testimony um, about some of the journey that I have been on, um, just to kind of help navigate some of this. So um, some of you will have heard this story before, others of you won't. Um, it's, it's precious to me what God has done in my life. And um, so when I share this, I tend to get emotional because it brings stuff up, which just makes me even more grateful to Jesus and makes me want to worship him more. So we are going to land this message early. Uh, and we're going to have some ministry at the end, which I hope finishes in some worship because God is that good and Jesus is that deserving of worship. Um, so back in 2006, 2007, I was a strapping 28, 29-year-old who thought that I could do anything and everything, um, thought that I had no limits at all. And um, I was, uh, at that point, we were married, we'd been married for a few years. We had um, one child, we just, I think we just had Luca. Uh, so we'd had Molly and then we had Luca. So we had, yeah, so Luca was really small. It's probably bigger than that. <laughs> He's definitely bigger than that now. Um, and uh, we, were, um, we were moving house. So we'd, um, we'd been in a situation where we'd been living actually mortgage-free for two years. We, we had an amazing opportunity to, um, to be able to live in a, in a different setup with a, another, another family, the Harvesons, if you know them. And um, so we had this, um, we were moving from that house into another house and therefore getting back on the housing ladder, mortgage, uh, all of that. The house itself was a bit tired and uh, so I was doing some building work very quickly on the house just to rearrange a bit of it. Um, I seem to do that with houses. I, I need to stop. I think we need to stop at this point with the one we're doing at the minute. But at that point, we, we'd, we'd put a new kitchen in, moved the back door and opened up. It, it was quite a bit of work, very short space of time, like in a six-week period. Um, uh, so that was going on, and so there was a financial burden, obviously, to that that we were entering into. At the same time, we, uh, I was self-employed. I had my own business, which I'd started in 2001, I think, and I was transitioning that from being a sole trading outfit to being a limited company. And so um, I formed a partnership with somebody else who was investing a lot of money into my business. And I started employing staff. And uh, so there was an expansion that was going on for me in that business. And with that came a sense of responsibility now because I'm now responsible not only for our own um, salary and income, but actually for somebody else as well. And uh, as part of that transition, we relocated the business from one workshop. Um, I, was in, um, I was a furniture maker, if you don't know. So um, we had a, a workshop down in Ingate Stone, and we were moving from the first workshop into a new facility, uh, Ingate Stone Hall, and, uh, which was a, a gorgeous old barn that we took on. Um, and uh, we had, I don't know, three, 4,000 square feet space and but when we took the building on it was a grain store full of agricultural equipment and so um, we uh, uh, basically had to renovate this building build a new workshop and move new plant in and set this thing up so I was basically spent three days a week on this new site doing that and then three days a week in the workshop actually making furniture to get money coming in and um, keep the business going. And at the same time was um, doing some renovations on this house at home. Um, and uh, in the midst of that, we decided as a church that it would be a good time to bring me into eldership. So I was part of the eldership team. And um, there was a trainee team kind of before that. And we brought me into the eldership team with another guy at the time. And uh, so there was more responsibility and more stuff. So suddenly, I've just got a bit more going on. And, um, and then, 
And then my mum got diagnosed. I've told this story so many times, but it just gets me. We had a family gathering last night, didn't we? My brother's here, and we, uh, we had a gathering last night. And it's so funny, all these years on, you kind of, you still notice who's missing in the room. Um, anyway, uh, my mum got diagnosed and uh, become ill, and uh, it was like another thing. Kind of supporting your parents in a different way than you had been, and um, so one day I was, I was in Travis Perkins' builder's yard. Oh, thank you very much. I was in Travis Perkins' builder's yard in Chelmsford on Navigation Road. I was sitting in my van. I'd just been in, bought something, loaded it in the back, and I go to drive out of Travis Perkins' builder's yard, and my brain just switched off. It was the most frightening thing. I was suddenly really unaware of where I was, what I was supposed to be doing, how I was supposed to move forward. I didn't know what had happened. I'd never experienced anything like this before. And I just sat there frozen. And then a car pulled out of the car park in front of me in, in the yard and came in front of me. And I just looked at this back of this car and I just thought, I'm just going to follow that. And so I just put the van into gear and I just drove and I followed this car. <laughs> I was just on autopilot. It's, it's not good driving on autopilot, is it? But it was, I'm just driving and got to Boreham, and so quite a few miles down the road, and I suddenly came to and realised where I was. I knew enough to know, okay, I can get home. I can get from here to home. I can do this. This is fine. And so I literally um, uh, drove home, got in the front door, and just collapsed into a heap. And, uh, and I was just overwhelmed. And uh, I didn't know much about the brain and how it works and how amazingly we're wired and we're put together and how, you know, God has designed us to literally have shut-off valves that, you know, every now and again you, you might need that. And uh, so, um, yeah, I then needed to work out what to do next and how to kind of pick myself up. And it wasn't that I was depressed. It wasn't that I was um, hopeless. Everything that was going on was good, um, with the exception of mum being ill was not good. But there was, you know, I was involved in good stuff. And even stepping in, you know, up as a son was still a good thing to be doing. Um, but I was overwhelmed and uh, chatted it through with the other guys on the leadership team at the time, took myself into a doctor's office, um, got signed on to some meds, and, um, and it just gave me a bit of space to try to physically navigate some of the stuff. Can I just break off any shame around antidepressant medication, um, mental health stuff, where we go to doctors on that? Um, uh, God, God loves you. <laughs> Whatever you're going through, whatever you need, he's you know he will work in partnership with the best medicine that we've got on the planet. So um, please don't separate out the two too much and and put some shame on yourself. Um, so uh, anyway, um, uh, wind the clock forward a bit. Um, a couple of months later, I find myself in a conference, um, which was a Father Heart conference. And uh, at this Father Heart conference, there was. Um, a seminar that I went to in the afternoon and um, I kind of went into this sem seminar and I had this kind of niggly pain. Um, in fact, no, it wasn't in the afternoon. It was in the morning. That's it. It was late morning. And um, I had this kind of niggly pain, but I was like, oh, never mind. I'll just ignore it. Anyway, went into this seminar. This seminar was on spiritual oppression. And um, uh, now... I want to just talk a little bit about spiritual oppression this morning in, in the context of this. Um, I wouldn't normally, and I don't normally, we don't give airtime really to what the enemy is getting up to too much, rightly so. Um, we want to be glorifying King Jesus all of the time. Um, uh, but actually, in doing this, I'm going to glorify King Jesus. So, uh, um, and... Uh, Partly the reason for mentioning it is because Paul, in these chapters in Ephesians, actually there's numbers of points where he starts to, he mentions, he talks about 
um, spiritual forces and powers, principalities, um, dominion stuff that he, he mentions, he makes mention of. And so there's a reality of a demonic realm that exists, yeah? And um, an unseen realm, some translations of scripture talk about. And so there is a reality of other spiritual forces that are at work um, seeking to um, oppress. Um, who knows, you cannot be possessed by anyone other than Jesus. If you believe in him this morning, if you've put your trust in him, he's in you. We sang it earlier on, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Amen. So you cannot be possessed by an evil spirit, but you can be oppressed by them. And not only that, um, actually they can seek to influence culture, um, the economic realm, um, political realm, uh, environment even, and um, even religious realm, if I can put it that way, religious spirits stuff. And um, so this stuff is real. So there's a few different verses. So in Ephesians 1, you'll have already seen this if you've read Ephesians 1. Um, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and the incomparable power of his for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So Paul is making mention of this realm by saying, look, don't worry, the Father and the Son still reign supreme, high above all. Um, every knee will bow. To the name of, of Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. In chapter 2, he then makes a reference to Satan and says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So there is a spirit that's at work, yeah, in those who do not know Jesus. Okay? And then if we just um, uh, do a cheeky kind of leap forward to Ephesians 6 that we're not yet covering, but it's, I would just want to reference it here. Um, Paul really helpfully says, hey, our struggle is not against... Uh, I put the hay in. That's not in the original. I don't know why I did that. Um, hey, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but, uh, blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, so there is that element that God, um, uh, Paul, wanted to, to communicate to us. Um, now, the reality is that that spiritual oppression can manifest itself in different ways. And so there can be a physical impact to ourselves or to society as a result of spiritual oppression. And so we can experience pain in our bodies, um, we can experience pressure, we can experience tension um, within our physical form, yeah? And, um, and so actually, as I was sat in this seminar, I was aware of this pain. And it wasn't, like, I've experienced the presence of God lots and, like, physical nature of the presence of God. You, you know, I'm, I'm shaken with the best of them and all the rest of it. But this wasn't that. This was, like, something else. And it wasn't an after-lunch pain because we hadn't had lunch yet. So I'm like, what is that? That's weird. And I didn't like it. Um, we can also sometimes see spiritual oppression on us mentally, on mental health. Um, there can be a sense of being overly burdened by things. Um, anxiety, depression, a loss of peace, and racing thoughts. See, when I was going through the stuff that I was going through at this point, having had this kind of breakdown point in my life, Sleep went out the window. And I was really struggling at night. And uh, I remember I used to lay in bed listening to Leo, sleeping, thinking, how is she asleep? How is she not panicking? How is she so peaceful? And I would literally lay there. I'd get my Bible out and I would just go through Psalm 23 again and again and again. If you've struggled with this, if you've struggled with anxiety, like three o'clock in the morning can be a killer. And I needed to find him in the darkness. 
And I know there's folk in this room that you will relate to this or people who will be listening to this later. You, you, I know you do. This is why this is a, a, a message where we make a stand because there comes a point in your life where you have to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to speak out who I'm putting my trust in. And, um, uh, and I experienced that racing thought thing, which was why I just couldn't sleep because I was just thinking, what about this, what about this, what about this, what about this? And it was just going round and round. And um, there's another way that we can be spiritually oppressed as well, which is actually spiritually. <laughs> um, so there can be a sense of lethargy about you and your relationship with God. There can be a disinterest in scripture. There can be a sluggishness that comes upon us. Um, there can be a sense of hopelessness, sense of despair. Um, there can be an increased temptation to sin. Um, I, I literally remember um, uh, a lady that I spoke to who went to minister somewhere. She was a happily married lady. She went to minister in a particular place. And she just started being overwhelmed with desire to commit adultery. And she was in a perfectly happy marriage. But she just had all these ridiculous thoughts about that. And she ended up getting on the phone to her husband and just confessing it and saying, hey, I don't know where this is coming from, but this is just bombarding me. And they really quickly identified, yeah, this is just a horrible spiritual oppression that was seeking to pull the rug out from under her feet. And they obviously prayed and and it shifted. And this is the kind of naughtiness that the enemy wants to get up to. Just wants to mess with you and trip you up. And um, it can also be a sense of it wanting to escape, so escapism into different things, um, and a desire to numb the pain that we may be feeling. So these are some of the ways spiritual oppression can come upon us. Now, for me, I was at that point where, um, as I said, the anxiety was building. We were experiencing a financial strain, financial pressure, and us needing to... um, navigate that Um, and I wasn't used to dealing with some of the bigger sums of money that were being invested into the business but of course the guy was looking for a return on that investment and so I I was kind of needing to step up a bit and that that was difficult and so I reached that point where I needed a breakthrough and so in this seminar as these things were being taught I knew that God wanted to do business with me and I knew that this was a point where I had to come face to face with him in a new way. And, um, and so I looked around and I saw the biggest guy in the room on the ministry team. Now, you don't need to find the biggest person in the room, but this guy was huge. And um, in fact, I remember afterwards a friend of mine said, if I was a demon, I'd have been scared of that guy. <laughs> and um, so uh, anyway, um, uh, I went over to this guy and, uh, and I just wept. And he just threw his arms around me. And, uh, and there was another guy who was with me from church, who um, Chris Spring, if those of you who know him. And, um, and it was a great thing because he got to witness this, um, basically what, what went on and be a part of that. And, um, and this guy just held me and he just looked at me and he said, I want you to declare that God is good. It's that simple. He said, I want you to speak out that God is good. And uh, you see, I've been a Christian for years. But now the foundations of the life that I had and I'd built were being shaken. And God wanted to come and lay a deeper foundation in my life. And I had to realize that actually, good as the foundation was, I hadn't actually believed in the goodness of God to the depth that I now needed to. And so I'd allowed, in, in my area of doubt... In, um, it's fine. in my area of doubt and uh, um, not, not being able to put my, uh, yeah, almost like not being able to trust him fully, what that had done had empowered the lies coming from the enemy that wanted to whisper the same stuff to me that were whispered to Eve in the garden 
to say, are you sure you can trust him? Are you sure? And in my three o'clock moments, 3 a.m. moments, I was like, I don't know if I can. Now, it wasn't as conscious as that, but clearly the anxiety that existed in me was actually saying, you really don't. And so I've got this guy saying to me, would you just speak out the goodness of God? And at that point, the enemy made it really hard for me to actually speak and speak out the words. And so there was no, and I'm, I'm always careful talking about this kind of stuff because I'm not into deliverance where it's all screaming and shouting. That Jesus is more powerful than anything else. And so shouting that he is doesn't make any difference. He just is. And so this guy just quietly and calmly just um, prayed for me, um, delivered me from what needed to go. And he said, okay, say that God's good. Speak it out. And I said it. And freedom came to my mouth. And I said it. And I wasn't just saying it from my mouth. I was saying it from the depths of who I am. And that was 15 years ago. Every time we sing a song about the goodness of God, I am singing it from here. I never sing songs from here. I never sing songs just from a surface level. I'm singing it from the depths of who I am. If this morning you don't know that the foundation that, you, that you're on, if you don't know that he is good, unshakably good, nothing can rock him good, he's your solid rock, if you don't know how solid the solid rock is, then we're going to have a moment in a moment where we're going to, a moment in a moment, we're going to have a, a, a time at the end of this where we're going to pray and we're going to remind you or we're going to reinforce the foundation for you of who Jesus is. Because we cannot do this next season not knowing this stuff. This guy didn't know the detail of what was going on in my life, but he then said to me prophetically, he said, I want you to speak out that God is good over your finances. And I couldn't do it. I'd got myself so wound up around this stuff, I just couldn't do it. And so he just prayed again. We just took a moment and it was fine. Things calmed down. And then I was able to declare, God is good over my finances. And, you know, we've, we've navigated some difficult times financially even in the last 15 years, but I've never doubted his goodness over my finances. And I'm not going to. He then said to me, I want you to speak out that God is good over health for your family. And I thought, man, you don't know what you're saying. And, uh, and so I did. I spoke it out that he's good. He's good. I can trust him for my family. I can trust him for my mum. I can trust him for this. I can trust him for that. It did something, it put something in me that has stayed with me. What does it look like to trust him for our health, even when we don't see the breakthrough? Because two years later, my mum did pass away. But she didn't die. You know, they're in death in the New Testament. People fall asleep. They go from here to there. C.S. Lewis says, it's just like going from one room to the next room. You died once on the cross with Jesus Christ. Death has lost its sting. We're all going to cross from this room to the next room at some point, I promise you. Unless Jesus comes back first. Um, it's a big one. I've, I've held a stillborn and um, prayed for life to come back. And I didn't see it. And we grew up in a church with a kid who was raised from the dead. His most spoilt child you'd, you'd come across. <laughs> can have everything, anything you want, anything you want. You're a walking miracle, you can have anything. Um, so we've seen stuff like this before. 
But at this point, in this moment, I'm speaking out God is good over health for my family. And now, when we are a church family, when we are praying for people here, I am speaking out God is good. If you're sick and I know about it, I'm speaking it out. Our WhatsApp prayer group where we pray for people, one another, I'm, I'm speaking out the goodness of God over you, over my family. And we are going to see more and more breakthroughs in this area, I promise you. And we do already. There's already testimonies of what we're seeing in terms of healing. Numbers of you in this room, you know you've experienced healing. I've experienced it in my own life. I'm really snotty. Excuse me. There's only so many sniffs you can do before you... I'm just picking up the phone to speak into. Um... Uh, the last one that um, the guy said to me, I want you to speak out the goodness of God over your marriage. Because one of the things that was, the, the lie that I was believing was when our finances don't work out, when this business doesn't work out, when this doesn't work out, when that doesn't work out, actually there's then this spiralling down. And I was living with this impending sense of doom. And at some point, lovely as Leo is, much as she loves me, she would say, I'm done. They were the lies that I was believing. And so I'd empowered this stuff, and it had to come off. It was like God was saying, enough's enough. It comes off today. You lay these things down. You've been hanging on to stuff that actually I went to the cross for, and you're holding it. And that's not okay. And so my repentance with him that day, which is what it was, it was me coming back to him, putting my faith, my trust in him, and saying, you are good. Why am I mentioning all of this? Um... I'm mentioning this because... It's occurred to me that there are three things that I was set free from. And they seem rather similar to some of the stuff that we are going through in the world right now. You see, there is fear around finance. And there was, we've come out of a health pandemic. There's fear around health. And there is this fear of impending doom. And I'm not saying there's anything special about me other than what God says is special about me. Um, but I know that I went on a journey then and I know God's put me in a place now to influence this family. And I want to invite you to step into something of this wake that we're, we're, we're seeing God doing, that he's done in me, that he's done in numbers of you. I know numbers of you around this room, you've been on similar journeys. And maybe there are other things where freedom needs to come. And that's absolutely fine. Um, as I said, each time we entertain fear and dread, we add we give power, if you like, we give authority to the enemy and the enemy's schemes to work through us. And right now, even at points, just media headlines, news headlines, there are these statements, you know, things like, it's going to be a terrible winter. If you say that, what do you expect's going to happen? If you say, we will have no money... If you make that a declaration, what do you think is going to happen? If you say, we won't have enough. Like, this is everywhere right now. But it shouldn't be. It's like the enemy's having a field day. This is a perfect storm. This thing coming together, converging with this thing and this thing and this thing. How can we entertain that stuff if we have access to perfect love? 
Because perfect love drives out a perfect storm. Yes? Fear. Isn't that what we read? At some point, what's in our Bibles actually is going to start impacting Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, three o'clock in the morning. It has to. Um, So let's come back to this to finish. There's, there's other things in Ephesians 3, you can, you can read them. Um, um, actually, let me just read one. I'm, I'm sorry, I just want to pick that. So his intent, this is Ephesians 3, 10 to 12. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal, eternal purpose. The reason I'm saying that this is fighting talk is because this is what he is saying. God's intent is that through the church, hello, we might just be guilty of being the church, part of the church, part of the body of Christ, yeah? So God's intent is that through us, that's all of us, not just Pete, all of us, God's intent is that through us, his multifaceted wisdom the many-faceted wisdom of God is going to be revealed to any authority that wants to come and oppose us. That's quite an audacious thing to say, but that's what it says. And then there is a role that we have in terms of stepping up and bringing others, seeing others coming under the influence of the kingdom. That's why we are called the river, because there's an advancing that's going on, not a retreating. Just, well, let's just get back to this point, and we can just hold our... No, 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 we're advancing. We are a family, but we're a family who are marching. And we are going to take ground, but the ground has to start with you and with me. It has to start in our own households. It has to start in here. And so Paul says, I pray that out of the glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Fifteen years ago this journey for me started and I'm on this quest to go how high, how wide, how deep is the love of God And I can tell you stories, you can tell stories of what you've been discovering in God in this last few years. I want to, you know, just how extravagantly does God love us? What does it look like for there to be no lack in the kingdom? What does it look like to see healing come, to see the restoration of marriages? How, 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 where can God's love get to? Can you see people raised from the dead? Like, where does this, how far can we go on this? And I want to encourage us, how about we go on an adventure? How about we just say, yeah, there's, there's the world, there's all the stuff that's going on, but actually I'm going to go on an adventure with this church family to explore, to seek out how lavish the love of God is. I wonder if that journey would take us to giving up Christmas Day 2023. Would his love look that lavish? I don't know. That's, that's quite lavish. kind of like my Christmas day. Would it look like you holding a stillborn? Because I'll do it again. And again and again. Because I want to see what the love of God looks like. Us giving appeals in meetings for people to come to know Jesus. This is a place where people come to know Jesus. Have you noticed? It's what we're doing. It's what we're leading people to. Okay, if you resonate with what I've shared in any way, I want you to stand to your feet.
If you know there is enemy ground that needs to be won back in your life today, I want you to stand. Okay, there's a lot of you. So what we're going to do, I would like us to move the chairs out of the way. I know that's a bit disruptive, but I want us to move the chairs out of the way because I want it to be a prophetic symbol that we are moving the lies out of the way of unbelief. And we're going to make space for the goodness of God to pour out in a new way in this church. Okay, come and gather in the middle. <coughs> Please be brave. Come stand in the middle. Come on, we're going to stand in the middle. There's lots of funny little blue balls on the floor. The guys are going to just play, pray, uh, play lightly. Um, I just want to encourage you, just close your eyes where you are. And I just want you to put your hands out. Because Jesus wants to hold your hands. And he wants to look you in the eye. And he wants to say to you, do you know I'm good? And what I'd like you to do is I'd like you just to speak out. Actually, I want you to use your voice. I don't want you to whisper it. I don't want this to be an internal voice. I want you to speak out of your mouth. God, you are good. I know you're good. just repeat this so um, back to me back to him Um, dear Jesus I want to thank you that you are good would you deliver me from any area of my life that is not yielded to your goodness And I just want you to take a moment where you are just to think about what is it for you? What are the pressure points for you? What's the stuff that gets your heart racing in a bad way where anxiety starts to rise? Might be finance. Might be fear of the future. Might be health. Might be relationships. Might be a sin issue. Might be inadequacy. What's the area where the enemy gets in and says, are you sure you can trust him? Now, I want you to speak out. It may, uh, you might be going, man, it's most of them. 
<laughs> you might have this impending sense of doom thing. It's, it's just most of them. And I'm just running scared, if I'm honest. Just be honest with him right now. Now, really simply, I just want you to say, God, you are good over those areas. And speak out the areas. Speak them out. No one's listening to you. You're speaking them out. Everyone is speaking their own stuff out. The band is playing. They can't hear your voice. You speak them out. Because your mouth, there is power of life or death is in your tongue. So you can put stuff to death now in agreement with Him as you speak it out. You have more power than you realise. We just read about it in those verses. He's given you His power to break things that have been holding you back. This is not a self-help thing. This is a Jesus help thing. This is not mind over matter. This is the mind of Christ over your stuff that you are leaving at the foot of the cross. Right, keep speaking it out. Say, I trust you for my finances. I am laying a foundation today that says I trust you for my finances. For my relationships. For my marriage for my future marriage, for my friendships. For my body, my health. I thank you, you're giving me divine mental health. Thank you, we are walking through areas of ill health. We're not camping here anymore. We're not going to stay in the valley of the shadow of death anymore. We walk through, we pass through the valley. So I make a choice today to pick up the pace. If I've stalled, if my pace with you, Jesus, has stalled, I make a choice today to get back into the rhythm that you are setting. I am not stuck. I am an overcomer. You say that I am victorious in you, Jesus, because you shattered the curse of sin and death. You won the victory. And you've imputed that to me so that I can stand in victory in my circumstances. Jesus, I'm making a choice today to lift my head up. I'm not going to walk with a stoop anymore. I want to thank you that you say over me that I am enough. I want to thank you that you say over me that I will have more than enough. I want to thank you that you say over me that I'm going to have more than enough so that I can actually be generous and give stuff away in the coming season. Lord, I want to pray for anyone here who is struggling in the night. Anyone that's been robbed of peace that enables them to sleep. We break the power of the enemy who wants to come and steal from you. We break it off right now in the name of Jesus and we speak your peace Jesus over ourselves over our minds
We thank you, you love to renew us. We lay these burdens, these anxieties down. And I thank you right now, you are equipping us. You're literally fortifying us. I just see the Lord coming and fortifying you. It's like he's reinforcing your foundation, like I said earlier on. You're seeing again a solid rock, the solid rock on which your life is founded. Jesus said that the wise man builds his house on the rock. And it's like right now he's coming and he's fortifying the ground under your feet. He's turning it to the rock of himself. He's not going anywhere. He's dependable. In an age where things are shaking, he is unshakable. And we can build our lives on him. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, any area where the enemy has sought to steal from us, steal ground from us, Lord, we are taking it back. We're taking it back. Regardless of how strong or weak we happen to feel this morning, we are putting our trust in the strong arms of Jesus Christ. And through him, we are taking back enemy ground. Lord, I just thank you that we can receive gifts of faith to believe that the days ahead are better, are different. That where there might be well-worn bad habits in our lives, I want to thank you that you love to come and plough up those old well-worn paths and to plough new ones that are straight and that are righteous. And I thank you, you're literally doing that right now where there's gifts of faith being poured into you to be able to believe that Jesus is setting us free. You haven't got to muster this up. You haven't got to do anything in your own strength. You just put your trust in him. You fall back. Part of my deliverance that day was falling into the arms of that great big guy. I just needed to fall. He wants you to fall into his arms again. This is a loving embrace. There's nothing harsh. There's nothing abrasive. His embrace with you is love.